CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. We get together every weekday afternoon at this time to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, and, well, what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? If you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again is 8888-ASK-CSN. It's toll-free. we got some lines open. You can be part of the program today just by calling. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. CSN. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker here, Morning Times. On Sunday, we have with us John Randall from, I'm going to try to get this right, um, <laughs> Calvary South OC. You nailed right? it, brother. You got I it. I got <laughs> it. I got it. See, I see it on your shirt there, so I can, <laughs> I can do that. So, But um, anyway, what area are you in there, uh, uh, San Clemente area? We're located in San Clemente, Mike, and we are the last uh, church in South County uh, before you cross over into North County. So that last city, that last stop uh, before you make your way into North County right there in San Clemente. Wow. Well, it's good that you're with us today. Look forward to answering some questions with you, John. And again, um, we have John on the morning times here on CSN. And so we want to encourage you to tune in. We'll give you some more information about that in a little bit. But, um, John, we can go ahead and go to the phones. We've got some calls. And again, 88, 88, ask CSN. Let's go to Carl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. How can we help? Um, well, I want to ask a question uh, about the reference of how do we expect the world to end up being? What's, what's your take on that, Mike, for this? I don't want to say coming to be a utopia, but you got to understand that we know that we have people that are making promises that we can do something to make this world better. We can get people together and basically change the order of how things are going to be and make this better, so to say. But we know that the Bible tells us that it's going to get worse and worse. Yes. So how should we look at certain people or certain leadership that tells us that they can do something to make things better. Now, the Bible says the God of peace shall be with us. So Jesus shall be with us through the tribulations and through things going on. But I think it's a bad influence, I believe so, to continue to tell people that we're going to do something to be able to make this better when the Bible says different. Well, I think the the key to your, your question is the word better. Better by whose standard? Better by whose rules? Better by the world's rules that knowing that the world is all going to fry, spit, and sizzle, uh, party on, dude, or uh, from God's standard? Now, again, Romans chapter 1, very clearly, what God will bless, what God will curse, that's in the New Testament after Jesus ascended to heaven. The churches have already begun, and here we find a letter um that is written to the Gentile believers facing, I believe, a lot of the same problems that we find today in our culture. So when someone says, well, we're going to make it better 
better by whose standard? Better by the devil's standard or better by God's standard? And I think that's really what we have to look at because, again, every politician to get into office promises everybody this guy, vote for me, everything is free. This is how the communists got into power in Venezuela and and, uh, Guatemala is they promised people free education, free this, free that. As soon as they got into power, they literally robbed the people there. The uh, We had one of the ladies call in here. She said the, the army would show up at their house. If they were hungry, they'd kick your door in. They'd take your food. Any valuables that you had, there was nothing you could do about it because you voted them in. And this is the same problem. America votes these people in, uh, and you can't get them out. And this is why I believe we've only begun to see, I believe, the real economic problems of America, because by continuing the same group of people in a crisis situation is what we have with inflation, the borders, um, um, all these issues, uh, it, it's going to get worse. And uh I don't care really if you really look at any leading economists saying, look, you, you need to back off on the interest rates or you're going to destroy the economy. The government comes out and said, no, we plan on at least five more interest rate hikes. You say, well, Mike, that's impossible. How could you ever have, uh, you know, 18, 21, 12% interest? Hey, back in the Jimmy Carter days, Democrat, that's how they did it. They had, I remember somebody told me they bought a house and they were so happy. They go, I couldn't believe it. I got an 18% loan on my house because everything else was 21%. You see, when we really begin to understand what inflation does, why would you put your money in the bank and get 10% interest on it? Wow, that's a lot. But if inflation is at 12%, every dollar you put in, you lose 2%. These are the problems, and they're not fixing it. But I believe Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, perplexity among nations. That means problems with no way out. It's a global situation. And I believe the powers that are working for a one-world order, including our American news media, I believe they're all working this to collapse it, and then out of the ashes can come this wonderful socialist, communist with an antichrist ruling overall with a one world order, one world religion, one world currency. Friends, I don't think it's that far off. Your thoughts, John? Well, you know, I was just thinking in light of how dark it's becoming, I would encourage our listeners and even the question that was asked, listen, Jesus said we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have our marching orders. We've been given the great commission, not the great suggestion. We need to be preaching. We need to be infiltrating darkness with light. Jesus said you are the light of the world. You're like a city that sit upon a hill that cannot be hidden. And the interesting thing is the Bible exhorts us. Jesus said, we must work the works of him who sent us because night is coming when no one can work. Yes, I agree. It is getting darker. What are we to do? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter five, verse 15, that we walk circumspectly and we redeem the time. We buy it back. We do the best we can to be a light because Jesus is coming soon, Mike. Amen. And so to be about our father's business, Carl, is what we want to do. Hope that helps. Man, that helped awesomely, man. I be I listen to y'all all the time too, man. That man, that was great, brother. That was great. Both of you guys, that was awesome. Appreciate that.
Paul, God's good. I appreciate you calling and uh, letting your light shine. And again, stay in line, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think will uh, be great for evangelism for you. And um, hope that helps. Okay. All right. God bless you. Let's go to Janet, Nebraska. Hi and welcome. Hey, um, a while ago you sent me the book on Mormonism and Ask yes. Your Bishop and all those. And so I gave them to this very nice Mormon family that I know. And they got back to me and said they don't follow those rules. They only follow the Brigham Young Mormonism. And I didn't know. Do you know the difference between Smith's Mormonism and Brigham Young's? No, it's a cop-out. And that's the problem because uh, the Mormon church uh, is based upon uh, the doctrine in the Book of Mormon. And even that, though, they don't follow it uh, because being a God yourself someday, uh, Satan and Jesus being brothers, um, that, um, you know, we were uh, flying around as spirit babies before we were born on this earth. All I said, none of that's in the Book of Mormon. And that's where a lot of the problems come from. Now, the, the, of, of all their books, probably the Book of Mormon is probably the least intrusive, you might say, of all the other books. Because when you get into the Book of Abraham, uh, Doctrine of Covenants, this is where literally they go to the moon. And this is where the problems are. So if you're saying, well, I don't follow Joseph Smith I, I, or, or the Book of Mormon, I follow um, um, Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or whatever, um, that is really nonsense. They're, they're not separable. And uh, again, you, you've got all these issues going on that when they're confronted with truth, they don't know what to do. Your thoughts, John? Well, I, I think I, I agree with you, Mike, that whether you are following the school of Brigham Young or whether you are following the school of Joseph Smith, they are both a cult. And the reason why, they may differ on certain things, but the fact is they're both a cult. And the reason for this is because of the fact that they end up, that their religion distorts the nature of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and the means of salvation. Those are non-negotiable issues. They teach a different Jesus, a different view on God that is revealed in the Bible. And as Pastor Mike pointed out, they consistently contradict themselves. One book says this, the other book that they read out of and said that is divinely inspired contradicts what the other book says. And ultimately they contradict the Bible. And when they contradict the word of God, we know that it is a false religion. It is a cult and we need to pray for these people. They are lost. Yeah, it's a different Jesus. That's the whole problem. Different Jesus. Um, because if you follow Mormonism, uh, Salt Lake brand, you know, Brigham Young brand, Satan and Jesus are brothers. Um, you'll never find that in the Book of Mormon. Uh, you don't find that even implied anywhere in Scripture. Uh, Jesus is God. Satan is a created being. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, he sent his only begotten son. That's exactly what it means. And so when we get into these different ideas uh, trying to somehow justify a a faulty faith. I think that's what you're running into, Danielle or uh, Janet. I think you probably, probably those books hit the mark. Mm. So well, I hope that you. helps. Yeah, yeah no, I think you just, you just continue to pray for them and love them um, and, and understand that 
they are approaching God through their works. And the Bible clearly says, we are not saved by our works, lest any man would boast, but we are saved because of the righteousness of Christ. We put on his righteousness. No good thing, the Bible says, dwells in the flesh. So you can't have enough babies. You can't give enough of your tithe. You can't attend enough church services. You can't do enough good charitable deeds. Uh, all those things that somehow people think awards them heaven on judgment day, none of those reasons we get into heaven. Now, are we to be courteous? Are we to be kind? Are we to be loving? Yes, but not to get to heaven, but rather to please our God. So, uh, Janet, again, I hope that helps. And we'll look and see if we got anything else we can send you on this topic. But um, that would probably be one of the best, the best thing you can do, I believe, is just continue to pray that God binds the enemy, that they would hear the great news of the gospel, that by faith, and faith alone, we are saved. Hope that helps, dear. Well, thank you. Janet, God bless you. Let us know how it goes. Let's go to Danielle in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hi, welcome. Hi. I have a question. I have been told before that um, because we are predestined that Jesus or God chose us ahead of time, that we have no choice in our salvation. And I do understand that, you know, it's just Jesus, that it's his righteousness and not mine. But I do believe we have a choice in our salvation. We can choose to reject him or trust in him. Is that correct? Yeah. And I believe those that say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. I, I believe personally that's a damnable heresy. There are heresies. Well, you got to be baptized three times forward in our church. We only, only baptize one time backwards. Those are heresies. It just says, by the authority of God, we're baptized. But when you hear, hear Satan and Jesus are brothers, or there's nothing you can do to get saved, those are heresies that take away the blood of Jesus Christ, void scripture, and cause a person to believe a lie. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, what about those verses? It says we're predestined. That is from God's perspective. God, verse 20, uh, chapter 22 of Revelation, I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. God lives in all times present. I don't know anything like that. I go to the store and I look for the dates on the carton on the milk so I get the freshest one. I look at my car that I thought was new that's now three years old. All these different things. Time passes, but God lives in all times present. So God cannot learn. God does not, oh, I hope he accepts me. I hope he's, oh, no, he's not going to accept me. No, God already knows. That's why it says we're predestined. That's why Paul says we're, we're seated in heavenly places with him. But just because God knows the future does not stop anybody from accepting or rejecting Christ. And this is what's so important. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go preach the gospel to every creature, not just the predestinated ones, or whatever. All these verses just rip Calvinism into shreds, and they won't acknowledge it. They even go so far to say that if you uh, accept Christ and you take the mark of the beast during the tribulation, you'll still go to heaven. 
another damnable heresy. It says you won't. But you see, they have to twist Scripture to fit their own belief. Whenever we find foreknowledge, predestined, uh, those to he foreknew, that's all talking about God's living in all times present. Nothing takes God by surprise. And everybody, God so loved the world, not the predestinated ones, but everyone who can believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The question is, do you believe in him? Do you have you put your faith, hope, and trust in him? If you have, praise God. Walk in his love, walk in his life, and you're going to be blessed. And that's what the Bible's talking about. But I hear this crazy demonic doctrine. And and, in calling it demonic doctrine, I want to say that I'm being very kind to it. Because when you understand that for somebody to look at somebody and say, well, uh, you can't be saved, that is from hell. That's the exact same thing Satan would say to somebody. But my God says, whosoever will may come. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Wow. What about those verses? Well, you just mark them out of your Bible to fit a warped belief system. Your thoughts, John? Well, you know, I realize when I come to the scriptures, the Bible says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. There are certain things about the Lord that I don't fully understand. I don't fully understand his grace. I don't fully understand his mercy. I'm thankful for it. But another thing I don't fully understand, and this is where sometimes the reform doctrine gets into the weeds, is when it comes to the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. And they separate the sovereignty of God from all of his other attributes. The truth is, when you teach through the Bible, when you go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, expositionally through the scriptures, you know what you're going to find? There is free will and there is predestination right alongside of one another. In fact, Charles Spurgeon was asked, how do you reconcile free will and, and predestination or God's sovereignty? He said, I don't need to reconcile friends. They're friends. The Bible teaches both. Uh, one illustration that I found is very uh, helpful to me, and I've shared it with our own church when we've gone through these issues, especially just going through the book of Romans. Uh, I think it was Harry Ironside that said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see on the front of the gates, choose you this day who you will serve. And I'll walk through those gates into heaven, and then I'll look back and I'll see on the back of the gates the scripture that reads, chosen before the foundations of the world. Friend, we are chosen. And yet we have a choice for there to be love. There has to be a choice. God gave us a choice. You can't reconcile the two because here's the thing. It defies logic, Pastor Mike. It goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend. So what do we do when we come to free will? That's what we preach. When it says we're predestined, we preach it. We're, we're biblicists. We're not Calvinists. We're, we're biblicists. We teach the Bible. And so when we come to it, we preach exactly what it says. There's balance. Yeah. And we cannot fault God because he knows all things. And, um, the truth of the matter is, God chose everybody. Well, what about that verse that says, it's not that you chose me, it's I chose you. Well, if you look at the context, he's talking to his disciples. He wasn't talking to everybody. That particular verse is in direct reference to him picking the disciples, where he walks up to Matthew Levi, receipt of customs, says, follow me. But Jesus offered that position to other people as well. The rich young ruler. He was rich. He was young. And he was a ruler. He had it all. He had all of his ponies in a row there. And he said, sell what you have. Give the money to the poor. Come and follow me. He offered him to be a disciple. And he walked away sad because he was very wealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at this, you realize that God knows the decisions 
that we're going to make. How is it that the Bible could say, uh, 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 Jacob I love and Esau I've hated? Because God knew the decisions in Esau's life that he would make that would cause God to be able to make that statement right out of the box. We're not talking to a God that learns. I saw a book years ago, and it was a very heretical book, had a picture of an apple with two bites out of it, and the name of the book was Did God Know? Well, of course he knew. But the book goes on to make it sound like God is like just a kind of an elevated human, doesn't really know, just, you know, really betting on humanity to <laughs> make the right decisions. Come on, boys, you can do it. But no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that God knows all things. And I can't fault a DVD of the last Super Bowl game because the team I thought was going to win didn't. No, that's just how it went down. Oh, it's all the problem with that DVD. If that DVD uh, didn't show that other team winning, they wouldn't have won. No, just because God's got the DVD of this whole world and every one of our lives doesn't mean we don't have the right and the freedom to live that. So remember, when you see those verses, to whom he foreknew, predestined, chosen, I believe all of those verses pertain to that open invitation that God gave in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And that's exactly what he means. And those that accept him, enjoy it. And those that reject him, die in their sins. Hope that helps, Danielle. Yes, thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, don't let anybody snooker you on that. That's uh, that's a, uh, that's a, I don't know. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta start really chopping the Bible up, uh, if you're gonna embrace that kind of bad theology. Uh, and, and, uh, you, you have to understand, does the Bible say those things? Yes. But what does the Bible say about everybody else? Preach the gospel to every creature. There's a balance involved. Mm. And the balance has to be that God wants the whole world to be saved, but not everybody wants to be saved. And that's the hard part, and I believe that's why we want to be very careful and why we want to preach the gospel, as Jesus said, to every creature, not just the predestinated ones. Hope that helps. Daniel, stay online. Send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Ezekiel, Odessa, Texas. Hi, welcome. Uh, Yes, hello? Hello. How can we help? Yes, sir. Hey, brother, uh, I got a question on um, Genesis six. Yes. Can angels pre-create? Never found in the Bible. Uh, they are messengers. They're warriors. They're protectors. But you never find them procreating anything. And that's why I have such a hard time with Genesis six uh, of them copulating with human beings and all that. I do not believe that. I believe. Uh, the sons of God are speaking of the descendants of Seth. And even today, we'll see Christian that have been Christians that have been raised, uh, kids raised in a Christian home, and they start dating people of the world, and they forsake their faith. I believe that's exactly what that's talking about. Do I believe they were messing around with uh, genetics back then? Oh, I do believe that. But we have to understand Jesus gave the best commentary on Genesis chapter 6 that we have. 
He said, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage, and having wild sex party with angels. <laughs> no, doesn't say that. Sorry. It says they were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. And I think that's an important thing. And they didn't realize that there was an impending judgment getting ready to fall on them. Now, we know that that is talking about the rapture because the second coming of Christ, three and a half years after the abomination which makes desolate in Revelation, we find that mere survival is all man is going to be had. All the, everything living in the sea has died. The waters turned to blood. All the trees, everything is burnt up. Famine is everywhere. And, uh, all about man can do is just war with one another as they gather there in the valley of Megiddo for the great battle of Armageddon. Uh, it does not sound like the days of Noah were. I believe today, this world today, is a real good example of the way the days of Noah were. They don't realize there's an impending seven-year judgment going to fall on this earth called the tribulation period, nor did the people in Noah's day realize that there was a flood getting ready to come as well. So I believe as in the days of Noah were, I think is the best descriptive commentary on chapter 6 of Genesis. Well, yeah, but Mike, you don't understand. The book of Enoch says, no, we don't quote the book of Enoch. It was rejected because it was goofy. It was goofy in 300 AD. It's goofy today. Is there maybe a verse or two that may be true? Uh, I suppose so. The Bible doesn't quote from it. Jesus never quoted from it. There's a saying in the book of Jude, Enoch saith the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. But that does not say he quoted the book of Enoch. Now, when you understand the idea of humans and angels procreating and making giants, that thought did not come around till about 300 AD. That's when it was first introduced, according to Justin Alfred, who's one of our Bible scholars that we oftentimes refer to. So when we understand that uh, we don't find them, and here's the other great part we have to understand, uh, did God create angelic forms with sexual organs and whatever never to be used? So I don't believe that just because an angel takes on a human form doesn't necessarily mean they have every part that human beings do. Your thoughts, John? Well, it's a great insight that you have. And I just wanted to say, I remember, Mike, on this particular passage, well, we're coming up to a break, it sounds like. We are. We're coming up on that <laughs> break. And uh, Ezekiel, we don't want you or anybody else to go away. When we come back, we're going to answer a whole lot more questions. So we'll be back for more right after this. CSN International, your 24-hour wireless seminary. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors 
authors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. All of us at CSN want to thank you for your financial support. And as the year comes to an end, we'd like you to consider making a special year-end donation above your regular gift. Your gift helps CSN to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be sure to give before midnight on December 31st so that you can receive the tax benefits for 2021. You can give now at csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. We thank you in advance for any prayers and support that you're able to give at this important time. Again, to donate, visit csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. And we want to welcome you back to part two of Timmy Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon. We just want to encourage you once again to always tune in to us. Listen, we have with us today John Randall, one of our featured CSN speakers on Sunday morning, Calvary Chapel, South Orange County. And, uh, you know, talking about this um, uh, thing with the angels in Genesis 6, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy on that, John. But Jesus never really referred to anything like that. And when people start coming up with these really um, uh, scripture-altering ideas without really any definitive scripture on it, I think this is always a, a scary thing, because then you end up reading the Bible as a pretext, uh, which is taken out of context. So your thoughts. Well, I was just thinking, I was going to mention that, you know, one time a person, and, and there are certain passages in scripture where people debate. This would be one of them. Another one would be, let's say, well, who are the two witnesses and, and who do you say they are? And and the thing that I want to mention to our listeners, Mike, I remember a guy came to our church and he was visiting for the first time. And his question was, after I just got done teaching the word, I, I, this is this was the deciding factor, Mike, of whether or not he was going to attend our church or not. And and that was, how did I feel about Genesis chapter 6? Whatever I said about Genesis chapter 6 was going to determine, and he was on the, well, the side that believes that the, you know, demonic spirits commandeered body. So whatever I said was going to determine, I thought, well, he may not be here long. But but what I realized is this, these aren't salvific issues. We need, we need to compare scripture with scripture. And I find that sometimes people get hung up in in these these things that are open to debate or they debate them without comparing scripture to scripture. And it's really important to make sure I, I have a tendency to say, this is what I know for sure. This is what the Bible says. Well, who are the two witnesses? Well, this is who I think they are. But you know what I know for sure? There's two. And I could just be okay with that. Sometimes, you know, and then there's certain things that the Bible's absolutely clear. So don't get caught up in these types of things where, where you can get tripped up. And this guy, whether he was going to go to our church or not, depended on that. Yeah, and, and it's 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 not an issue. There's There's so many other problems, though, 
with the idea of, of that the virgin birth of Christ is no big deal. It just isn't. Because if, if, if angelic beings, supernatural beings have been having sex with human beings and having babies, well, Jesus is just another one of them, I guess. I problems with that. With so that there's side. a lot of yeah. theological problems. Then Jesus said, they asked him concerning marriage. Guy had uh, married a woman and went through seven brothers. They all had her. She must have been a bad cook. <laughs> Whatever it was, um, they asked the question from right. the Sadducees who didn't really believe in life after death. So uh, right out of the box, he knew it was a trick question. Uh, in heaven, whose wife will she be? Jesus said, you err not knowing the scripture. Now, I think that's a pretty strong statement. Yes. You err not knowing the scripture. I, I believe most of these aberrant um, biblical ideas come from people not knowing the scripture. You see, somebody said one to me one time, they said, well, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. And all I can tell you is that is absolutely 100% true. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Uh, um, we can go out and start robbing banks, uh, uh, go 100 mile an hour in your car through uh, school zones, whatever, because the Bible says I can do all things with Christ that strengthens me. But is that what it's saying? No. You have to look at the other verses in context, other verses in the Bible. What is it talking about there? No longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. Now, all of a sudden, we have a balance. The, look at the Mormon church. They baptize for the dead. Well, it's in the Bible, they say. Yeah, it comes out of the book of Corinthians, which was a corrective letter to a group of people the Corinthian church, that we're doing a lot of really kooky stuff. And he says, since you don't believe in life after death, why are you baptizing for the dead? He didn't say you should be. He says, why are you? And that's the same question I would ask the Mormon church. You see, this idea of second chances, purgatory, not in the Bible. It's not even alluded to. But they just make it up because they're going to be a, another chance. So where do we go from here? Well, when we come to these doctrines that are like this, uh, they have to be absolutely crystal clear. And again, Jesus does the commentary on Genesis 6, found in Matthew chapter 24. Can't get any clearer than that. Now, if Jesus would have said, and they were having wild sex orgies with angels, I would say, yeah, I think that's probably what was going on there. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't even imply that. It talks about a world gone awry, and the sons of God had also gone awry. And when we get to verse 8 in Genesis 6, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. Now, here's what's important about that. Noah was the exception to the rule of the day because he had not corrupted himself. Well, we can see today, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, where outright corruption is everywhere. You can't even turn on television and buy toothpaste without being trying to be seduced. It, it's everywhere. There's nowhere you can go. And this is why I believe Jesus, as you said earlier, John, redeeming the time, the days are evil. Right. Taking something ordinary like extra time, and making it extraordinary by committing it to Christ. 
Hope that answers it for you, and uh, God bless you. Thanks for the call. I think we might have lost you over the break. Let's go to Ben, Rochester, New York. Hi, Wilk. Hi, Mike. Hi, John. How you doing? Just uh, calling in and got a question for you. Um, well, t- I got a two-part question, actually. Uh, yeah, you know, you were just talking about predestination, and I was wondering about, you know, before when Noah, you were you were just talking about Noah, and uh, Noah prophesied for 120 years that there was this flood that's going to come and nobody listened to him. So how yeah. can you claim that there's not predestination when all these people heard for 120 years a flood was coming and nobody took heed? Well, the thing is, is that look at today. The message of the gospel goes out, but people are so preoccupied in their own uh, their own thing, they haven't got time for God. But God so loved the world, and whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what that means. And so it's an open invitation to the world and to whosoever. And uh, there's a lot of whosoever's out there that need Jesus. So hope that helps. Wait, okay, I'm not done yet. The um, My main question was actually uh, just that— uh, is it okay for Christians to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? Because I, I got some some salmon belly that was sacrificed from Wegmans. I'm not sure about this meat because I, I actually broke my leg once eating a brisket from Wegmans before when the price was $13.13. And I knew it was probably a bad idea, but I, I challenged myself, and I was pretty arrogant, and I, I accused the Holy Spirit of making me gay. And I, I slipped on water while I was making the meal right after I, I ate a tasty little tidbit of the brisket. And I, I fell on my ass and broke my leg again. And uh, it wasn't a good experience. So I was wondering, is it okay for Christians to eat meat sacrificed to idols? It is okay unless you're with somebody that that would stumble. Because understanding that an idol is not a real God. It's just a chunk of wood. But if you were raised in a culture or you were raised in a family that saw this go on and on, and by you eating meat that was sacrificed to an idol, you could stumble them. We're freedom that we have in Christ. We have to be very careful not to stumble other people. Many missionaries stumble people in foreign cultures because they don't know their culture. I've shared this before. But if you're in Micronesia or in the Orient and you let somebody see the bottom of your feet, that's a high insult because the streets are pretty dirty. And to let somebody see the bottom of your feet, that's a, that's a, that's a high insult. A certain dress that we enjoy our freedom here in America or even in the church, if you dress certain ways like that overseas, they won't listen to a thing you have to say. So they are traditions, they are customs, but nevertheless can be very real and can really stumble somebody uh, if they do not come to that understanding that an idol is just a chunk of wood. Your thoughts, John? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I was thinking about Romans chapter 14, where the Apostle Paul addresses that specifically. And in verse 9, he 
comments and said, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify one another. And then he exhorts us, Mike, by saying, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. So we need to take into consideration who we're with and we need to be mindful of that in order that we wouldn't stumble somebody who is in our presence because then we're not really walking in love. If I'm concerned about somebody, I know that this is an issue. I'm going to be very careful and walk in love and not stumble them by the things that I do. So I I, I hope that helps. In other words, if I was invited to go uh, share my faith with uh, a group of vegetarians and uh, they're at the uh, hotel and they're all eating their their salads and I order a big greasy cheeseburger, um, I would offend them. So I believe that's what we have to be careful of. But when we understand that an idol is nothing, uh, it is simply uh, just a carved piece of wood, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Um, I, I think we have that freedom, Ben, but our freedom, we have to be careful that we don't stumble other people with that freedom. Hope that helps. Stay online. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs with that. We'll go to Matthew, Austin, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, Hi. I've got a question for you guys. Um, I, uh, have been attending a church, uh, for uh, several years now with my children. And uh, the FBI actually uh, arrested my pastor for uh, child pornography and distribution. Mm. Oh. How sad. Tragic. How can uh, we uh, Dealing with my offerings um, and, and should I not be going to this church anymore? Um, I'm conflicted in my spirit. Your thoughts, John? Well, I again, not knowing all of the details, um, I, the man should be prosecuted. He should be held. Uh, he should be uh, taken before the court and and then, of course, prosecuted if, in fact, those things have taken place. The question being, should you continue to be a part of that church? That's a really good question. I think the Holy Spirit's going to have to lead you and guide you and direct you into what you should do and how you should minister. But there may be people that are going to need ministry. Um, and maybe it's good to stay or maybe it's good to go. That, that's something that you have to really pray and ask the Lord his will. Yeah, so I, 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 yeah. Your reaction was to just walk away. But, um, you know, he's not been prosecuted. Uh you know, this could all be a big misunderstanding, but uh, he has been fired from the church. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm getting the sense that maybe abandoning the church isn't the right thing to do because of the, it's my church, um, you know. Well, and, you got people, it, you got relationships there too, you know, Matthew, and 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 all. And, and like I say, I, you know, um, the guy certainly has a right to a trial, um, and and has the FBI been wrong before? <laughs> yeah, we've watched that in the news enough. So you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're what what. But um, regardless whether he's guilty or not, uh, the people that are there in good faith believe this man was on the up and up. And in good faith, they were looking for the best uh, concerning 
fellowship and everything. So no, I, I, I think that, that it, first of all, the guy's entitled to a trial. Second of all, if he's guilty, he's bad. And there, remember there was Judas Iscariot. And what's the odds of that? That was Jesus uh, odds one in 12 ratio of one in 12. Where does that leave you and me? So, uh, you know, I believe that, that, um, um, Paul talked a lot about perils uh, with his own and perils in the wilderness and perils. There's perils everywhere. So I I really just think that, you know, maybe everybody kind of needs each other there right now. And that's uh, the the feelings I've been uh, getting from this. Uh, I've been praying about it. And, um, you know, like I said, my knee-jerk reaction was to just walk away, but um, I started to feel convicted that uh, maybe I shouldn't cast the first stone on this one. Well, I, and, until he's proven guilty, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think you just have to wait and see on this one. You know, Pastor Mike, I was thinking about, um, as, as you were talking, just about what was going on in, in Corinth and how Paul had to address the issues and all kinds of issues that were going on there in the church in Corinth and, and how he was exhorting the body when there was a non-believer there, you remember, or actually a man that was in, involved in sexual immorality and they were actually um, approving of what he was doing and they were boasting about it. He said, listen, you need to cast that person out and turn such a one over to Satan. They were unrepentant. And then in the second letter, second Corinthians, the person had repented, but the church stuck together and they did what was necessary for the whole body. And, um, Man, we'll be praying for your church, brother, and I'm so sorry to hear that. That yeah, breaks your heart. Is. It is. It's always sad. So, but our prayers are with you. Amen. And um, and uh, can we pray for you? Yeah. Mm. Father, yeah, we just lift that. up this. We just lift up this situation yes, to you in Jesus' name. And, you know, we pray for this man. Pray that it's not true. If it is true, that he would repent, Father. That you would minimize the broken hearts and the damage at the church. And that if he is not going to ever come back, then I pray that you send them a man after your own heart that will lead them and guide them in righteousness and in your truth in Jesus name. And thank you for Matthew's heart. And may he continue to, um, to just be an uplifter and encourager in Jesus name. Amen. Matthew, stay online, send you out some books, some DVDs. Maybe you might want to even show them to your church. They're pretty good. Stay online. We'll get you fixed up. Okay. Thank you. God bless you, and a lot to pray about. Let's go to David. Hawaii, aloha. Hi, pastors. God bless you. You guys are awesome. Love your program. Uh, God is good. And um, they they were preaching on having communion. Um, One thing was uh, a book on 90 days of taking communion. Another was taking it every week. And I just wonder what your thoughts are. I know the Bible seems like in... Corinthians 11, they took it on Passover. Well, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So I don't think there's any wrong if a church does it every week. I I believe John Corson's church, when he was pastoring there, uh, he, uh, I think he had communion every Sunday. Um, It's not prohibited. The only time it would not be good is if it becomes a ritual and the meaning of what it is goes away. Um, and, and so we have to be careful of that. But other than that, there is no, there is no, um, 
rule that it can only be administered by a priest or a pastor or a deacon or an elder or a Sunday school teacher. It can be administered between friends, between fathers to their family. Uh, It's just as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That's the way Jesus wanted to be remembered, not by an 8 by 10 glossy in the back of the church or a bronze statue in the city park. He said, remember me with this special dinner because it says it all, because it's reflective of what happened in Egypt when the death angel passed over. Your thoughts? Uh, it's such a good blessing. I mean, such a blessing to take communion. It, it unites our hearts together as the body of Christ. It also reminds us of the Lord's first coming. Paul said in writing to the Corinthians, it reminds us of his second coming. And so as, as Mike said, as often as you do, how often is often? Is that once a week? Is it every other week? Is it once a month? He didn't give us that as, as often as you do. And so I think it's always good to remember Jesus, but do not lose the significance of what it means and lose sight of, of, of what it represents to, as Mike said, to where it becomes a ritual and to something you, you do without any emotion at all. David, hope that helps. Awesome. The significance is the whole thing and how we put, how we take it. So amen. God bless you, David. Stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I know you'll enjoy it. With that, we'll go to Courtney, Kingman, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hi there. How are you? Good. How may we help? Well, my question is, I'm just wondering what, why is it that God says we will stand before him in judgment? I think that is what the white throne judgment or Bema Seed, I can't quite remember. But in any case, that we are supposed to give an account for all that we've done here while we are alive, good and bad. Now, I thought Jesus took our bad, nailed it to the cross, never to be reminded of it again. So why is old news being rehashed once we are being judged again? I mean, I guess I just don't quite understand that. It actually well, hasn't scared. Well, well, dear, there's two judgments. There's the Bema Seat judgment for Christians where we're rewarded for what we did. The the wood, the hay, the stubble burns up, things done with the wrong motive. And then the things, the precious things that remain, the Bible says, will be rewarded for. The world, on the other hand, does not stand in the Bema Seat judgment, but they stand in the great white throne judgment, as well as the believers during the millennial reign of Christ uh, that would have died. Um, there will be death during the millennial reign of Christ. person that dies at 100 years old, the Bible says, will be considered a child. So I do believe that there will be those Christians as well as non-believers from the beginning of time. The books are opened, and the people are judged according to what they've done. Your thoughts, John? Well, both of those scriptures, of course, we're talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. As you mentioned, we're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat or the Bema seat was that place where, let's say, for example, you ran in the Olympic Games or the Isthmian Games and you were going to be rewarded. You would stand before that seat and you would receive reward. It was a judgment to accommodation, whereas the great white throne judgment that's recorded of in Revelation, as Mike said, is for the non-believer, and that is a judgment to condemnation. Everybody whose name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they are going to be cast in to the lake of fire with the devil and his angels and the Antichrist. That's a judgment for non-believers. But for the believer, it's not something to be afraid of. We're going to be rewarded. And I'm so looking forward to that day. And that's why we want to live our lives for Christ, because, Mike, I've often thought, What can I do for Jesus in light of everything he's done for me? The only thing I can do is live my life for him. And I want to receive a crown 
so that I have something to throw down at his feet with everybody else. Lord, this was for you. And so you don't have to be afraid of it. You can be excited about it as you live your life 100% for Jesus. But you're right. Jesus did take our judgment. He separated our sin far as east is from the west, chooses to remember it no more. Now, what's interesting about east is from the west. East never meets west. North, though, meets south. If you go north and then all of a sudden you get to the North Pole, then you're going south. But east from the west never touches each other. Now, when we look at this up close, we begin to realize that the judgment is not, again, a bad thing. It's a good thing. You might get a lawyer call you and say, we want you to come down here. Uncle Fred died, and we have a judgment for you. That judgment will be part of the inheritance or whatever. The main thing, though, is the things that were done for the right reason. Again, the wood, the hay, the stubble, things that were done to be seen of men. Those things aren't going to carry an eternal reward for a believer. But the things that were done for the right reason, Jesus said even a cup of cold water in his name bears a reward. So when we look at it, it isn't the magnitude of what we do, but it's the obedience of what we do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the heart of God. And so if God says, have a crusade and, you know, 10,000 people come forward and accept the Lord. Uh, they're just being obedient to what God's called them to do. Like somebody else, maybe going next door and mowing somebody's lawn because they broke their leg. And this was an act of alms or charity that you're doing for them to let them know, as a matter of fact, buddy, Jesus loves you. So I believe that's all very much a part of it. I hope that helps. It does. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your time. God is good, dear. I want you to stay in line. I'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Really good for Bible studies. Good to lend out. Get back. Sometimes it's so hard to talk to relatives and friends and you just say, yeah, I got this DVD. Why don't you watch it and tell me what you think of it? And um, and uh, it'll minister to them. And, and it really does a great job. Many, many people have found the Lord through these things. So uh, I just want to encourage you to stay in line. We'll get those out to you. And um, again, God bless you and stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. And with that, we are about out of time. How does this happen, John? Oh, man, it just goes by so fast. That's why we're redeeming it. Right, Mike? Amen. <laughs> uh, once again, John uh, with us and uh, Randall, and he is uh, on CSN, uh, 7 a.m. Mountain Time on Sunday. So you can tune in, listen to him there coming from very south, South Orange County. And uh, so, John, I'm really glad you've joined us today. Look forward to being back with you. Sounds great. Looking forward to it, brother. And um, again, uh, what time does your church service start on, on Sunday? Well, we have three services here. We have uh, 745, 930, and 1130. Wednesday night so, at 7. So we can just find you online, calvarysouthoc.com. <laughs> .com will get you there. How wonderful. Well, John, blessings to you. Blessings to everybody listening. And again, uh, we'll have more questions tomorrow. So until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. God bless you. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 